Chapter Nineteen of Hopalong Cassidy's Rustler Roundup. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lee Smalley. Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup by Clarence Edward Mulford. Chapter Nineteen. Hopalong's Decision. Shortly after noon, Hopalong, who had ridden with his head bowed low in meditation, looked up and slapped his thigh. Then he looked at Red and grinned. "'Look a here, Red,' he began. "'There ain't no rustlers with their headquarters on this godforsaken sand-heap, and there never was. They have to have water and lots of it, too, and the nearest of any account is the Pecos, or some of them streams over in the Panhandle the panhandle is the best place. There are lots of streams and lakes over there, and they're right in a good grass country. Why, an army could hide over there and never be found unless it was hunted for, blamed good. Then again it's close to the railroad. Up north always is the south branch of the Santa Fe Trail, and it's far enough away not to bother anybody in the middle panhandle. Then there's Fort Worth, pretty near, and other trails. Didn't Buck say he had all the rest of the country searched? He meant the Pecos Valley and the Davis Mountains country. All the rustlers would have to do, if they were in the panhandle, would be to cross the Canadian and the Cimarron and hit the trail for the railroad. Good fords, good grass and water all the way, cattle fat when they're delivered, and plenty of room. The more I thinks about it, the more I cottons to the panhandle. "'Well, it sure does sound good,' replied Red, reflectively. "'Do you mean the Cunningham Lake region, or farther north?' "'Just the other side of this blasted desert. Anywhere where there's water,' responded Hopalong, enthusiastically. "'I've been doing some hot reckoning for the last two hours, and this is the way it looks to me. They drives the cows up on this skillet for a ways, then turns east, and hits the trail for home and water.' They can get around the Kayon near Thatcher's Lake by a swing of the north. I tell you, that's the only way out in this. Who could tell where they turned, with the wind raising the deuce with the trail? Didn't we follow a trail for a ways, and then what? Why, there wasn't none to follow. We can ride north till we walk behind ourselves, and never get a peek at them. I'm in favor of heading for the Sulphur Spring Creek District. We can spend a couple of weeks, if we has to, and prospect that whole region without having to cut our water down to a smell and a taste and live on jerked beef. If we investigates that country, we'll find something else than sandstorms, poisoned water holes, and blisters. Ain't the panhandle full of nesters, farmers? inquired Red doubtfully. Along the Canadian and the edges, yes. In the middle, no explained Hopalong. They hang close together on account of the war-whoops, and they like the trails pretty well because of their always being somebody passin'. Buck ought to send some of the panhandle boys up there, suggested Red. There's Pie Willis and the Jordans. They knows the panhandle like you knows poker. Frenchy had paid no apparent attention to the conversation up to this point, but now he declared himself. "'You heard what Buck said, didn't you?' he asked. "'We were told to search the staked plains from one end to the other, 
and I'm going to do it if I can hold out long enough. I ain't going to palaver with you, because what you say can't be denied, as far as wisdom is concerned. You may have hit it plumb center, but I knows what I was ordered to do, and you can't get me to go over there if you shouts all night. When Buck says anything, she goes. He wants to know where the cards are stacked, and why he can't holler Kino, and I'm going to find out if I can. You can go to Patagonia if you wants to, but you go alone as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's better if you don't go with us, replied Hopalong, taking it for granted that Red would accompany him. You can prospect this end of the game, and we'll be taking care of the other. It's two chances now, where we only had one of four. You'll go east, and I'll hunt around as ordered, responded Frenchy. East nothing, replied Hopalong. You don't get me to wallow in hot alkali, and lose time riding in ankle-deep sand, when I can hit the south trail, skirt the white sand hills, and be in God's country again. I ain't going to wrestle with no can, this here trip, none whatever. I'm going to travel in style, get to Big Spring by riding two miles to where I could only make one on this stove. Then I'll head north along Sulphur Spring Creek, and have water and grass all the way, barring a few stretches. While you're being fricasseed, I'll be streaking through cottonwood groves and riding in the creek. You'll have to go alone, then, said Red resolutely. Frenchy ain't a-going to die of lonesomeness on this desert if I knows what I'm about, and I reckon I do, some. Me and him'll follow out what Buck said, hunt around for a while, and then Frenchy can go back to the ranch to tell Buck what's up, and I'll take the trail you're scared of and meet you at the east end of Cunningham Lake three days from now. You better come with me, coaxed Top along, not liking what his friend had said about being afraid of the trail past the can, and wishing to have someone with whom to talk on his trip. I'm going to have a nice long swim tomorrow night, he added, trying bribery. And I'm going to try to keep from hitting my blisters, responded Red. I don't want to go swimming in no creek full of moccasins. I'd rather sleep with rattlers or copperheads. Every time I see a cotton mouth, I feels like I had just sit down on one. I'll flip a coin to see whether you comes or not, proposed Hopalong. If you wants to gamble so bad, I'll flip you to see who draws our pay next month. But not for what you said, responded Red, choking down the desire to try his luck. Hopalong grinned and turned toward the south. If I sees Buck afore you do, I'll tell him you and Frenchy are growing watermelons up near Last Stand Rock, and are waiting for rain. Well, so long, he said. You tell Buck we're obeying orders, shouted Red, sorry that he was not going with his bunkie. Frenchy and Red rode on in silence, the latter feeling strangely lonesome, for he and the departed man had seldom been separated when journeys like this were to be taken. And when in search of pleasure, they were nearly always together. Frenchy, while being very friendly with Hopalong, a friendship that would have placed them side by side against any odds, was not accustomed to his company and did not notice his absence. Red looked off toward the south for the tenth time, and for the tenth time thought that his friend might return. 
He's a son of a gun, he soliloquized. His companion looked up. He sure is, and he's right about this rustler business, too. But we'll look around for a day or so, and then you raise dust for the lake. I'll go back to the ranch and get things primed, so there'll be no time lost when we get the word. I'm sorry I went and said what I did about me taking the trail he was a-scared of, confessed Red, after a pause. Why, he ain't a-scared of nothing. He got back at you about them watermelons, so what's the difference? asked Frenchy. He don't owe you nothing. An hour later they searched the Devil's Rocks, but found no rustlers. Filling their canteens at a tiny spring, and allowing their mounts to drink the remainder of the water, they turned toward Hell Arroyo, which they reached at nightfall. Here also their search availed them nothing, and they paused in indecision. Then Frenchy turned toward his companion, and advised him to ride toward the lake in the night, when it was comparatively cool. Red considered, and then decided that the advice was good. He rolled a cigarette, wheeled and faced the east, and spurred forward. "'So long,' he called. "'So long,' replied Frenchy, who turned toward the south and departed for the ranch. The foreman of the Bar 20 was cleaning his rifle when he heard the hoofbeats of a galloping horse, and he ran around the corner of the house to meet the newcomer, whom he thought to be a courier from the Double Arrow. Frenchy dismounted and explained why he returned alone. Buck listened to the report and then, noting the fire which gleamed in his friend's eyes, nodded his approval to the course. "'I reckon it's trendly, Frenchy. I've heard a few things since you left, and you can bet that if Hopalong and Red have gone for him, he'll be found. I expect action any time now, so we'll light the signal fire.' Then he hesitated. You light it. You've been waiting a long time for this. The balls of smoke which rolled upward were replied to by other balls at different points on the plain, and the Bar 20 prepared to feed the numbers of hungry punchers who would arrive within the next twenty-four hours. Two hours had not passed when eleven men rode up from the Three Triangle, followed eight hours later by ten from the O-Bar-O. The outfits of the Star Circle and the Barred Horseshoe, eighteen in all, came next, and had scarcely dismounted when those of the C-80 and the Double Arrow, fretting at the delay, rode up. With the sixteen from the Bar 20, the force numbered seventy-five resolute and pugnacious cowpunchers, all aching to wipe out the indignities suffered. End of chapter 19